Welcome to the Covation Center podcast and the From Bars to Business series. This series focuses on the challenges of reentry for the justice involved and how businesses can benefit from hiring them and make a positive difference in their lives. This podcast is funded through a grant from the First Community Foundation Partnership of Pennsylvania. Abdul Malik Walker talks about his experience as he returned to the workforce from his incarceration. Join us for Path to Redemption. Let's get talking. Welcome back to the From Bars to Business podcast. Today, I have a distinct pleasure to be able to talk to Abdul Malik Walker. Uh, he's one of these great stories that I, I love to hear. Uh, we're calling this episode, we're already naming this episode Path to Redemption, and that comes from what he told me. Abdul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, we, as we talk about this path, if you don't mind, let's start at, at the beginning. Really, what what happened that got you as involved with the justice system so you become what we call justice involved? Well, you know, in my youth, I was a little wayward, you know, making uh, bad decisions one after another. And that led me uh, to prison during a long stretch of time. Um, 10 years, um, there was loss of life in my situation. So it was, uh, was pretty serious. So, uh, I had to really take hold of this situation and address it to, uh, you know, uh, change the path that I was on, uh, very destructive. Um, just really aimless at that moment, looking for opportunities and not finding them, you know, you get a little frustrated and try to take shortcuts and I'm shortcuts landed me in the big house. Mm-hmm. But and, that, I mean, and this was the state system, right? Yes. This was the state system. And, um, you know, so while you're there, they do provide programs, but it's really up to you to take the initiative to, uh, to be in those programs because especially in my case, having a 10 year sentence, uh, your rehabilitation don't start until you're at the end of your sentence. Oh, really? So, right. so you're there for 10 years and you, you knew that going in, it was going to be at least 10, right? I mean, or right. the 10. And so, so if your rehabilitation doesn't start till the end, what, what do you do on this path to prepare for that end? Um, a lot of it is self-help because uh, for, for those of, of us with, that had longer sentences, we were uh, we were pretty much put on a back burner. Um, a lot of times, people come into the prison system and they have to do programs in order to be paroled. They may already be past their their parole eligibility date, so there's they are the priority. Um, it's a it's a big backlog. So the people who are passed or close, they're the priority to get the rehabilitation programs. Um, so for the long-termers, oftentimes you get uh, activities, basketball, you get a job. Um, there's not much there for you um, unless you take your own initiative. Uh, seeking trades, getting education, um, you know, again, those things are prioritized for the short term. So you really have to push if you desire change. And, uh, you know, I, I knew from the moment I went in, you know, I knew I desired change. Uh, just from my incident, I desired change. Mm, you know, absolutely. Uh, 
you know, it was uh, unfortunate. I never meant that meant it to happen. And, you know, some things can't be replaced. So, you know, having that in mind, you know, it was my my goal, my desire to change since I went in the in the meeting, went in the system. So I sought those those things that could help me. And um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there with the reentry, provide resources to us. Uh, they're filling that void. And you know, it was uh, during those times, during one of those occasions where uh, I ran into Mr. Edie. He was. Uh, he works on with CareerLink. He has mm-hmm. a mobile CareerLink unit. And um, as part of his outreach, he visits prisons and informs them of the, the opportunities, the programs, the resources, the support that uh, is available for returning citizens. So uh, that was very informative. Uh, I never missed I never missed an occasion when he came into my facility. Um, if it was a repeat, I I go repeat because I can talk to him again <laughs> at the class. So I uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to build a report. I knew exactly the uh, the the program that I wanted to pursue first. You know, now, my- let's talk about that. So in the prisons, there are specific programs that you can, as you said, pursue. Um, now they're different depending on the prison you're in, right? Right. So. Uh, not all prisons have the same trades, vocations, and rehabilitation programs. So depending on the, the prison you're at, uh, there's going to be a certain curriculum that's available. Um, at my prison, I was able to take uh, business education. Um, I, after business education, I went on to take uh, HVAC, HVAC, and um, and also as part of the reentry uh program, I was able to get CPR certified uh, during activities department. I was able to get a um, certified personal trainer. So you really have to invest in yourself because some of these things, you know, cost money. And, uh, you know, 19 cents an hour as a prison wage, mm. you know, you really, you really got to make sacrifices in order to pay for, you know, your, your advancement. So, um, I was dedicated. I, you know, I paid the I paid the cost. I tightened my belt so that I could have the opportunity to become a certified fitness trainer and to take my CPR class and and you know uh, all of those things that I was able to to, to acquire while I was in prison. Um, all of those things benefited me once I was released. So uh, nothing really went, um, you know, uh, waste. Nothing went to waste because I came home. I was able to pursue uh, on-the-job training through CareerLink with my HVAC uh, certification. So that was a big help. Um, so, know. so as as you're getting ready to as you're, as you're getting ready to get out of the the system and, mm-hmm. and re-enter, as you said, you you have these skills. You're taking these classes. They're under your belt. Um, and you were connected to CareerLink since while you were in when they would come out and visit. So mm-hmm. you had that next step. Uh, what were some of the challenges that you did see though as you as you came out? Um, a lot of challenges that that uh, you know are going to confront returning citizens are you know one housing. Housing is a is a pretty big issue. Um, a lot of guys are still 
you know, uh, they actually end up doing more time than they than they're required because they don't have they don't have secured housing. Hmm. So if, if you don't have a home plan, if you don't have someone willing to support you and, and when you're on your return, then you're forced to go to a halfway house or a CCC center. And oftentimes uh, parole might actually deny your parole based on your uh, lack of support, you know, because they see that as uh, a quick avenue to recidivism. So uh, if you don't have support, then you're going to pretty much fall back into crime. So maybe they give you more time in jail to do more outreach. So parole do have a logic, uh, uh, a logic frame of thought when they, when they deny people for not having a home plan. But, you know, the guys who do get to the halfway house, you know, that's another challenge in itself. Uh, me, myself, I was fortunate enough to come home to my family. Um, you know, I had their support. And, uh, you know, without it, I, I don't know if I could have made the leaps as quick as I was able to make them. So uh, I, I would like to hope that I would have got here eventually. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. definitely with the support, I was able to move faster. And uh, that kept me on track, putting one foot in front of the other. So um, as you're talking about this, and you mentioned uh, the parole board and so forth, we actually haven't talked about this. Are you on parole or were you, did you serve the full term and, and you are essentially done? I actually, uh, I made my minimum sentence. So uh, I made my minimum. I did 10 years. Uh, my first time seeing the parole board. Uh, you know, they evaluated me and they paroled me. I was so thankful. Uh, so I'm still currently on parole. Uh, you know, I report to my parole agent as, as scheduled once a month. Um, you know, I've been employed the whole time. You know, I, I've definitely followed my parole agent's advice, direction. And, That's awesome. And, and <laughs> order. So, yeah, I've definitely positive parole life we're gonna we're gonna hear more in an episode later on in this series about someone who was on the other side of the fence she was a correctional officer and then now works for career link actually and she talks about the fact that parolees are some of the the best candidates for jobs because of everything that you've gone through that you talked about you're motivated you take the classes you do the things right You, you do all do all the things um so that gets you to coming out. You you made parole. You you have a home care plan and or home plan, so you're you're out. And now you connect up with CareerLink, and you mentioned OJT, and we're going to be talking in greater depth with CareerLink in a podcast about those types of programs. But how did the OJT on the job training program work for you? And then we'll talk about how it works for the business. Yeah, OJT was a blessing. Um, a lot of times people who say, oh, they want, they want a job, um, you know, in jail, you work for 19 cents an hour. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys say, I come home, I'll take anything. But in actuality, you need a living wage. Mm. You, need, you need to have a living wage. Uh, so, so OJT really uh, allowed me to acquire the ability to, to get a job with a livable wage. So that was a, a great hurdle for me to have to overcome and career link helped me. Um, OJT now, now really quickly, the OJT program for those that are hearing it for the first time, before we get into the next podcast where we talk about it, OJT 
is where the state helps subsidize the pay for someone like yourself. The, the state will cover or reimburse half of the pay for the first six months to the business that hires that hires the individual. So we, and we'll cover more of that in another podcast. But I just wanted to insert that really quickly, Abdul. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's important information because, you know, coming from prison, you know, I had no prior HVAC, HVAC experience. Uh, I, I picked it up in prison. I learned my uh, my my court my trade. I acquired a number of certificates in inside the field. Uh, you know, I really was motivated, so I have a number of certificates. But when I face to face with an with an employer, you know, experience in a trade field speaks a lot more than certification. Mm. So lacking that experience, you know, I wasn't the ideal candidate. Uh, with my background, I wasn't the ideal candidate. Sometimes you need your own tools for these particular jobs. Uh, I didn't have that uh, ability to provide my own tools. So uh, the OJT program subsidizing half my check uh, really allowed the employer to, you know, have some benefits while gate while you know assuaging the risk. So. Um, I think that, you know, my particular employer, the Schoonover, is their family business. Uh, and they had family values. So when they took, it was like they took me into their family. So That's I really awesome. appreciated that uh, they, they provided me with, with some tools that I could use, uh, you know, during the daily course of my, my job duties. And, uh, you know, I actually, uh, man, I thought I was going to be there forever. <laughs> so, uh, so I got a better job. So, um, and, and, and I want to, I want to stop there for a second. Um, one of the concerns that I might personally have is that a business will, um, and I'm going to put this in air quotes. You can see it, but the audio listeners can't, uh, but that they, the, the business would hire you for the six months and then let you go. Right. Because they're going to take advantage of that six month period. But they kept you on. You you stayed a, a number of months after that, and they would have kept you on further. To, but you got a better right. job. So so you know, I had the same fears that you had. <laughs> you know, <laughs> man, they're gonna get rid of me after six months. So uh, I was definitely, you know, still, you know, looking for backup plans, and and uh, that I, I got a second job, you know, to to you know insulate me against that. Uh, as it turned out, my second job turned into a, a greater opportunity, uh, and I was also able to start uh, my own my own company, my own CPR company, uh, Collective Wellness. And uh, you know, again, times we just don't know if they're going to keep us on after those six months. So uh, that's that's they don't have to. It's not written in stone, but. As a good employee that shows up every day with my work ethic, uh, I was able to not only complete the six months, but I, I was on even past no talk of letting me go. Uh, I think I left after a total of nine months when I got a better opportunity. So um, you started your own business, and that's, that's really kind of cool, too, because that goes all the way back to the fact you took business courses. And right. here at the Curvation Center, we're all about helping people start businesses. Like we have a video series on starting a small business on YouTube for anybody who wants to watch it. Um, as you go through this, 
uh, and you were getting that first job, what, what advice would you give to a business that what should they be asking you as you're coming out on parole and they're looking to hire you? What things should I be looking for in, in a parolee or someone who's justice involved? Um, the easiest way you can be able to gauge a, a parolee that's applying for a position at your job is the same criteria you would give to a potential employee who came off the street who wasn't a parolee. You have to see if they're motivated, if they're dedicated, what kind of work ethic do they have. Uh, parolees do have more of an incentive to keep their job because it's, a, it's also a job requirement. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're weighing the risk versus the harm, you know, there are more benefits that'll help you, that'll help an employer be insulated against any risk they may conceive. Mm. And, uh, parolees are federally bondable. So you can get a federal bond to, uh, you know, help insulate you against any, any risk that you may conceive. You get tax benefits for uh, hiring someone. Uh, there's programs that are subsidized to check. So you can get a half price employee for six months. So there is, uh, you know, benefits for the employer to take the the risk in hiring parolees uh, because the risk can be uh, minimized. But as as like as I said in the beginning, you really want to give them the same criteria you you given any potential employee that you you want to hire on to your company because uh, that is your company. Uh, I'm speaking like uh, as a family company because I came from schoolovers. But if you're in a corporation company, Rite Aid or or uh, Giant, or if you're hiring for a bigger corporation, uh, then you still would use the same criteria that you would use for any potential employee. This, this I, is I actually a fair, a fair shake, uh, and, and you know that's that's all they really need because. Uh, Parole is, is is a mandate that you have to have a job. So, you know, they do have that driving incentive. Um, so that'll help them get the work. But, you know, there are other incentives that are benefit the employer as well. I pre- appreciate the point that you're making and I've heard several others make, which is, um, you know what? You, you need to be this diligent every time you hire, not just if you're hiring justice involved. And right. if anything, this will help you be a little more diligent, a little more careful uh, just in hiring everybody, a better hiring practice across the board. Now, you have started your own business. I, For those of us that can see the video, you, it's got it over your shoulder there, Collective Wellness. It's yep. K-A-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, Wellness. And I believe it's collectivewellness.com, right? Yes, yes, it is collectivewellness.com. What what is what is collective wellness, and uh, what what's your mission for your business? Let's let's talk about that for a minute about your okay. future and how you've created a job for yourself. Well, you know, um, coming from my background, I definitely wanted to start a company that would have, you know, some type of redeeming quality in the work that that we do. And uh, at Collective Wellness, we teach people how to save lives. So, uh, you know, that is quite a redeeming quality for me. Uh, it, it definitely um, um, inter- interested me. I was able to get my hands into the field beyond the fence, actually. Uh, in prison, I took my base level CPR class. So uh, coming home, I did see an opportunity to uh, 
further my 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 credentials with the first aid field and um you know i jumped on it and you know currently we have a training site at the pajama factory the pajama factory is uh, a great incubator for new businesses uh we have a nice large training site where we uh where we conduct american red cross uh training classes we also do a uh American Heart Association training classes. We do BLS, first aid, CPR, AED, babysitters, uh, babysitters training. We do uh, wilderness training, um, and and we we just got certified to do uh, um, EMR for emergency medical responders. So soon we'll be uh, training uh, uh, first responders to ride on back in the ambulance, which is a great career. Uh, so we're really just trying to, uh, you know, provide a resource to the community, especially after COVID. The hospital was the largest CPR instructor uh, facility in our area. They have since uh, quit uh, making the classes available for the public, and they're only for the employees. So there was also a community void that we wanted to fill, and um, you know, we've been. Uh, going pretty strong uh not too much locally so we do want to get some more local work but uh red cross has been sending us you know uh 200 mile radius that's that's what we cover so we'd be on the outskirts of the radius um time but we would like to get some more local work and um we did have a couple church partnerships that we were able to uh you know give instruction to the church leadership so we definitely uh try because not only we're we a for-profit company, but we're also a for-benefit company. So we definitely want to look to for ways to give back towards our community. And uh, you know, sometimes as a CPR uh, is a is a work requirement, and not everybody might be able to afford uh, to to go to the Red Cross to get a full uh, full fee class. So we do offer. Uh, discounted rates for for people who are uh, economically dis uh, uh, in, uh, you know for the broke people. <laughs> yeah, for, pe for people yeah. who may not be able to afford yeah. it, you have for options. Uh, any anybody that for the economically disadvantaged, you know, we would like to you know make sure that they could at least get their you know maintain employment or get that job that they need. So uh, you know, we really do take uh, pride in you know, offering this service. Uh, like I said, uh, and, you know, I told you before that, you know, that I'm on a path, man. And, and, you know, the path of redemption is, is a path that you take without knowing if you're going to get there, mm. you know? So, so this uh, really is about a journey for you, right? You know, everything is full circle. Uh, you know, like I said, CPR began when I was behind bars and, and is still perpetuating now. Uh, we really just want to have an impact, a positive impact. You know, that's the only way to uh, put distance between the negative impact that we have or counteract the negative impact that we have, you know. So, you know, that's that's my goal. You know, that's the direction that I'm headed and that's the journey that I'm on. I love, I love hearing... I mean, I'm, I'm, I, let me rephrase that. And, I, and I'm going to leave this in the way I just said that because... I don't mean I love hearing the whole story. 
you know, I'm as saddened as you are about what happened a number of years ago. Uh, I appreciate your story and that you've taken something that decisions you made that were bad decisions and you've taken this path to redeem yourself, this path of redemption, uh, and you know, going through work, taking advantage of, of growing yourself, but then giving back. And I love the giving back. Um, I, I will encourage anyone to visit collectivewellness.com. That's K-A-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E wellness.com. It's a great website, by the way. I uh, love you. that Thank I can you. book online. That's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. And you've got a great site there, especially if somebody's in the Williamsport area. But if not, I believe you actually have a couple things that people could just buy uh, on the oh, on the yeah. shop there. T-shirts uh, with our with our name on it. Um, Keychains, CPI uh, face barriers are inside the keychain, so that you're able to respond at any moment in public and still have your PPE. Uh, you know, and we're also on Facebook, Collective Wellness. We're on Facebook also. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing this story, sharing your path with us. And uh, we do wish you all the best as you continue this journey. Thank you. I, if, it's, if there's anything that I can say to uh, anyone coming home as a return citizen is, uh, you know, the hurdles, the challenges that we face in are real. But if you're realistic about them, you can overcome them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all up to the gumption that you have, the, the drive that you have to change. And uh, to the people who are who come in contact with re re returning citizens, I just like to say that, you know, there's still people. Everybody makes mistakes and, and you know, deserve second chances. So uh, you don't have to look the other way. But if you take a good look, then you could be able to judge if that person is serious and sincere about what they're saying and the path that they're on because change does happen. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there, man. And uh, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to, uh, you know, speak up and, and, and speak to those who, who may need some encouragement or who may need some, some information. So I really do appreciate the opportunity. And we, we appreciate your being willing and open and sharing with us and, and encouraging words that, that you've just ended with. Thank you again for joining us. I really do appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Hopefully you found it informative and please listen to the remaining parts of this multi-part series as we explore the ways businesses can be successful in hiring and providing support for justice-involved individuals. We encourage you to check out the other resources the Covation Center has for small business owners. Visit our website at covationcenter.org and be sure to watch our video series on YouTube. Just search for Covation Center. We provide various videos designed to help you start and grow your small business. Until next time, have a great day.